Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. First Chronicles chapter 14 verse 8, Governor George Wallace on June 11, 1963, defied the federal court by standing in front of the doors of the University of Alabama to keep, thank you, to keep two black students from entering in. He said, you'll enter, but over my dead body. He was maintaining a system of segregation in the University of Alabama. The only problem was that the U.S. government sent down U.S. marshals to escort the two students. And they said, this is what the two marshals said to Governor Wallace. They said, Governor Wallace, you have two choices. You can remove yourself from in front of those doors or we can remove you. But one thing is going to be the case. You're not going to block the law of the United States, which says that you, may, you must not maintain segregation at this university. Since things are going to change today, now you decide whether you're going to get out of the way or whether we're going to get you out of the way. But you need to know you'll be out of the way. The reason why I brought that up tonight is because we're all going to go through conflicts in life. We spoke this morning of how God has a purpose for our church and God has a destiny and a purpose for every single one in this per- uh, every single person in this church. But I will be a liar to tell you that it's not going to come through conflict. I will be a liar to tell you that your destiny is not purchased, but it's given to you for free. That there's not a Jordan to cross. That there's not giants to slay. That there's not hills and mountains to climb. As a matter of fact, you're going to have things in the way. Living in Washington, you might have governors in the way. But one thing to, that we have to know as a church is, what, is when God is on our side, it doesn't matter the conflict. It doesn't matter the source of the conflict. God will make a way for your breakthrough. It is a picture of these, of these two black students being stopped, but because they have two U.S. marshals, they have a whole government that backs them up. Can I tell you tonight, church, that regardless of what you're going through today, if you're a child of God, you have a whole kingdom backing you up. And you're going to find some breakthrough. But somewhere you're going to have to remain faithful to God and understand that there is purpose in my conflicts. First Chronicles chapter 14 verse 8 says, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all, all of Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, but David heard of it and went out against them. Verse 9, Now the Philistines had come and made a raid in the valley of um, Rephaim. And David inquired of God, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to him, go up and I will give them into your hand. And he went up um, to Baal Perazim, Baal, I think that's how you say it. And David struck them um, down there. And David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a bursting flood. Therefore, the name of that place is called Baal Perazim. And they left their gods there, and David, and David gave command, and they were burned. And the Philistines yet again made a raid in the valley, 
And when David again inquired of God, God said to him, You shall not go up after them. Go around and come against the opposite, the opposite the balsam trees. And when you hear the sound of marching in the top of the balsam trees, then go out to battle, for God has gone out before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. This is like strategy, right? It's like playing the game Risk. Anyway, no, it's not. But Verse 16, And David did as God commanded him, and they struck down the Philistine army from Gibeon to Gezer. And the fame of David went out into all lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled The Purpose in Our Conflicts tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. God, for this opportunity that you have given us, Jesus. God, I pray that somewhere you will help us, Lord, in this very time. God, regardless of where we are at in life. God, I pray if it's a conflict, if it's a storm, regardless of what we feel, God, an attack from hell. God, I pray that you will speak to us clearly, Lord. God, and comfort us, God, with the very truth that you're backing us up. Lord, I hide behind your cross tonight. I pray that you will speak through me. Use me as your vessel, God, as your instrument tonight. All the praise and all the glory may go to you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. I said the title wrong, I believe. The found purpose in conflict. That's the title, so you can scratch it, whatever you got to do. First thought, the enemy's purpose. See, many times in life, many people view hell's assaults wrong. They view it with a different mindset. They think differently. We spoke about this a few weeks ago, the very extremes of demonic assaults, how people don't believe in the demonic. There's others that believe that, that you pass by a witch or a terror and it jumps on you. There's extremes in this, and many times we view hell's assaults a wrong way many people think it's random no reason behind it it just happens to be my turn it just happens to be you know what somewhere hell just decided to pick on me somewhere you know what this is just it's russian roulette and somewhere it fell on me that's wrong many people believe that the enemy is being mean that's too simple he somewhere we think that he attacks us to make to make us miserable and there might be some truth behind that, but that's a little bit too simple to under um, too simple. It goes beyond that. The enemy attacks strategically. Say with me, strategically. There's a reason why he does things. I know we like to call the devil stupid, and we like to give him all of these jabs and speak about his boyfriend, and you know, and all these different things that you can go on and on about him. But the reality is tonight, if we're going to make good warfare in the spiritual realm, we're going to have to understand that the devil isn't dumb. That's the, a lot of the attacks from the enemy is strategic. He attacks in certain ways for certain reasons in our scripture. I want you to see the enemy, the Philistines here, that somewhere they're attacking in strategic manners. There's no, there's no randomness behind it. There's no, um, let's just do something against them. But there is a strategic way that they're going to do this. And this is exactly the way the devil works with Christians. Luke chapter 4 verse 13 says it this way. He says, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him into what? An opportune time. Think about that. Now the devil said, I can't get through him, so I'm just going to back up for a minute. And let me see when he's going to be vulnerable. That's the way hell views you. That's the way demons view you. That somewhere you might be a good Christian today. 
You might be hard, solid. You know what? I'm saved today. There's no devil in hell that's going to back me up. But that's not going to be the case a few days later when your wife gets on your nerves. That might not be the same case later on when your boss is all over you and gets the carnal sight out of you. An opportune time. Also, many times we see throughout the Bible that it speaks about devices. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 so says, So that we will not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Or in the New King James Version, devices and all these. You know, the rea- we read the scripture. Yeah, we're not ignorant. Can I tell you many people are? Many people are ignorant or they choose to not want to believe in these things. This is a phenomenon in the Hispanic culture. I don't believe in witchcraft so it doesn't touch me. It doesn't work that way, bud. That somewhere, listen, the realm, the spiritual realm, the occult attacks from hell is as real as it's going to get regardless of what you think. Another thing that you have to understand is that the enemy attacks what he fears. First Chronicles chapter 14 verse 8 says when the Philistines heard, heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. But David heard of it and went out against them. This is the enemy. The devil, the enemy, hell attacks what he fears. You know, there's a missionary that said, brother, that means that they begins to speak about just missionary work and Two missionaries were speaking and they were talking about how hard Christianity is sometimes. And, you know, it's just the reality of life. There's no um, reason why you should be having those types of conversations because we don't complain in this church. Amen. Anyway, um, this conversation was going on. And this man said, brother, that means you're on the right track. If you've never experienced any opposition or setbacks in the Lord's work, you ought to get down on your knees and ask him to show you what you're doing wrong. Somewhere, listen, Christian, the Christian walk isn't easy. It isn't for weak-minded people like people like to say. As a matter of fact, it really pushes you to be a man. Pushes you to be a godly woman. As somewhere maturity begins to take a hold of you, you can't say just everything that's in your mind. You can't just treat people the way you need to be treated. I mean, the way that you think you should treat them. But somewhere, listen, the walk with Christ, the walk with God isn't as easy as people think. There are going to be conflicts. And the conflict isn't just simply because your name is what your name is. It's because of who you can become. Let me say this to you tonight. The issue is not simply who you are today. The issue is that hell is trying to prevent who you can become tomorrow. The enemy didn't do anything until they heard that David was anointed king. David was just a shepherd boy and they became a king. And the devil said, oh crap. (laughs) I need to do something about this. I mean, think about this. Let's, let's not be ignorant to the fact that hell has these strategies that are completely targeted. You can speak about governments. You can speak about Daniel, how he was targeted by the government at that moment so that he couldn't pray. Is that America here today? And many times our prayers, the way we speak, the freedom of religion that, that we have many times is attacked. Think about Pharaoh killing male babies. What about Herod, King Herod killing children under two? Isn't that strategic? That wasn't just a a legislative release. It wasn't just a law. It was strategic to attack the people of God at that moment. And this is what we see in our scripture. And it's not any different for you today. The Philistines wanted to prevent David from taking the throne that was given to him by God, a.k.a. God's will for his life. 
the enemy will try to prevent you from reaching God's will. And again, in the midst of our transition that we're going to have next Sunday, the devil will try to prevent you from, or will try to prevent our church from reaching God's will. He will. And somewhere we can't be ignorant to that. We can't just say, you know what, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. Again, if you, if you go home and you study Deuteronomy chapter 31 and, on, and that the whole transition between Moses and Joshua, God speaks to Moses to deliver a poem to the Israelites. And that whole poem is almost depressing. You're going to go through this and you're going to go through that. You're going to lose some battles. You, in other words, Moses let them know, listen, there's going to be some conflicts. There is. There's going to be something. Hell isn't just going to let you get it just, just because he wants to, you to or, or regardless of what it was. I want to move on to my second point, and that is God's purpose. You know, it's amazing that God is so smart. Okay, that's amazing to me. <laughs> it is. I look back into life, and I'm like, my goodness, the intelligence, the creativity, the goodness of God. How he made things work in my life. In the midst of conflicts, I want to tell you tonight, church, that you might be going through something in life right now. You might be going through a conflict. You might be going through some type of trial, some type of tribulation. God can make or find a purpose in that conflict for you. You know, many times we misinterpret assaults as an absence of God. Many times we'll say things like, clearly if God was on my side, I wouldn't go through this. Many times you begin to think, well, God has it for me. He doesn't, he just doesn't like me. He doesn't. Loves everybody else except me. He didn't die on the cross for me. You know, you begin to think these twisted things. You can say amen if you've been there. You know, that's where you begin to think, you know what, that clearly, clearly if I was in God's will, he will prevent this attack. But the reality is if you've been saved long enough, you know that because you're saved, you're getting attacked. (laughs) Because you're living for God, you become a walking target sometimes. John chapter 11, verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, or if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, somewhere we get that mindset. God, if you were here, I wouldn't go through this. If you had been here. It's amazing through this conflict. You know, it's one of the most highest things to be ordained, anointed, king. You know, David becomes anointed. He's going to take over. He's going to be the king. He's riding on high, you know, somewhere. His mind, you know, a little bit of ego maybe mixed in there also. You know, you know how it is. You get promoted or whatever the case may be. You know, he's up there. He's, he's, he's walking on water, man. But you have these Philistines planning to devour them. I mean, think about that. While you're living for God and you have all this success and all this fruitfulness, don't you for one second think that hell is just chilling? And even in the midst of that conflict, God created a purpose for David. Created a purpose in the midst of conflict. Gave him breakthrough. You know, we always constantly quote that God can make it work for our good, right? We quote that scripture, but do we believe it tonight? You know what conflict teaches us? Conflict teaches us to depend on God. Consider how Israel disregarded God. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 11 says, and, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, verse 12, then take care lest you forget the Lord. 
who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That's not fair. You forget about God when you're eating too. Let's get real. <laughs> but that's what he's telling them. He says, listen, while you're over there all in your prosperity, digging and being fruitful and all this stuff, don't forget that you were slaves at one point. Don't forget that I was, I'm the Lord. He says, don't, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Church, we can't forget that our very existence hinges on God. The fact that you can breathe today is as simple as God gave you that breath. Can we be great Christians and remember the simplicity of life? I know you're over here trying to break down the book of Romans. I understand that. Mr. Theology walking around, you know, with your Matthew Henry commentary and all these different things. And, and somewhere you're these Bible students and we can get so caught up with tricks and all these fancy words. And we know exactly what hallelujah means and you know the whole Hebrew alphabet, whatever, you know. But you forget that your existence hinges on God. The fact that you can take the next step in life is simple that God allowed you to. The fact that you can serve God, that you can see your children one more time. We need to depend on God, church. Whatever we go through in life, whatever the case may be, a conflict, a storm, trial, tribulation, betrayal, I mean all kinds of things, all the events that life has. It needs to teach you that I depend on my God. You know, one of the things that we should look forward to in conflicts is that conflicts produces breakthrough. First Chronicles chapter 14, verse 11. And when he went up to Baal Perazim, and David struck them down there, and David said, God has broken through. Let me say that one more time. God has broken through my enemies by my hand, like it burst in flood. Therefore, that name, the name of that place is called Baal Perazim. That's somewhere through the midst of conflict, while there was a strategic plan against his life, God made it to where that place was his breakthrough. I don't, I don't know if you guys completely understand that. Can I even get an amen there? I got a, mm. That's what I, <laughs> and I don't know who that was, all right? It's somewhere over here. I heard it over here. But think about this. Look, there was people strategically trying to kill David. And because David inquired of the Lord, which is, we're going to be speaking about this in a minute, because he decided to go to his father, the pilot, the captain, he decided to go to his God. What was designed to kill him actually made him stronger. What was designed to completely destroy everything that God had for him, actually God gave him a purpose and a strategy to defeat the enemy's strategy. You know, some of our greatest breakthroughs tonight, if you've been saved long enough, some of our greatest breakthroughs come after a conflict or a setback. You fall straight on your face, but you get up and fly. You know, it's like somewhere you take these steps back, but you take these leaps forward because you were able to hold on and cling and hinge to God. You know, conflicts, tribulation, and trials are perfect environments for breakthrough. We hear this all the time. It is in the impossible where miracles can happen. That somewhere you got to have this impossible environment to even get to a miracle. We want the miracles, but we don't want the impossibilities. What do you do in these situations? When you feel like you're, you're at war, you're being attacked. You know, you're going up with your, with your clique, you're going up with your, with your family, with your people. Like is, um, King David, he's a king over a nation. He's going up and somewhere he meets with, with these people. What do you do in conflict? Forget you're a Christian. 
Don't make me lose my religion. Some of you guys lose it. What do you do? How do you act? Because in our scripture, what we see is that David ran to God. In the midst of conflict, he'd just been anointed. Success in life. Promotion. And then there's a strategic attack against him. And what he does is that he doesn't flesh out. He doesn't become carnal. He doesn't cuss him out. He doesn't say, you know what, I'm going to get my friend and I'm going to beat him up. No, he says, I'm going to talk to God first and let, him, let me see what he has to say about this situation. What do you do? I want to move on to my third point. I want to spend some time here. That is the promise of breakthrough. God is with us through conflict. In conflict, God does not turn and run away from you. You ever had that friend that was all talk, but then when it really came down to it, he ran away? Maybe in sports or something, I don't know. Too many, yeah. You know, in sports, it's funny when you watch, like, live professional sports because many times they'll buck up, right? They'll, they'll pull up their chest and they start talking trash and you see all these neck movements. And <laughs> you know, they're all, and they, and they don't do anything. Like, nothing happens. I, I, I believe it was a commentator. I forget who it was, but he said, that's basketball fighting. They, they never do anything. But, there's, but every once in a while, you'll see a guy who's really down. <laughs> you see a guy who's really, really down, who's let's go over let's go over punch and gets fined and suspended <laughs> well, yeah, he's actually from the hood and he don't he don't mess with you. <laughs> I mean somewhere listen. Listen, somewhere we have to understand that the God that we have, he doesn't run away from conflict. Hebrews chapter thirteen, verse five. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Maybe you guys know that God is down with you. That somewhere through the, through the midst of conflict, he's not that friend that runs away. You might feel that way. Your emotions might, might betray you that way. Your mind might think different. But the reality is that God is standing next to you through everything. We need to speak to God in the midst of conflict. Think about this in verse 10 of our main scripture. Deuteronomy, um, I'm sorry, 1 Chronicle 14, um, verse 10, it says, And David inquired of God, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? He's talking to God about his life. And then again in verse 14, And when David again inquired of God, God said to him, You shall not go up after them. Go around and come against them, opposite to the balsam trees. That's an amazing thing right there. It blows my mind that God got involved in military strategy. That somewhere David said, you know what, I have an issue, God. I have a conflict. These people have it against me. They want to kill me. What should I, are you going to give them to me? Like, am I going to win this battle? Because if not, I'm going to step back. And I'm going to let you do it. And God tells him, yes, that's fine. He, he wins that battle. They come up again. He inquires of God again, which most of us would have been full of ego and pride. And we would have gone and attacked him again. Let's get real. But he inquires of God one more time. And God says, no, I don't want you to go. Because they got smarter. I want you to go behind them. That go behind them represents direction. Can I tell you tonight that God can give you direction through conflict? That in the midst of your conflict, regardless of what you are today, you might be lost out of your mind. You don't know where north is. You don't, you don't, know, you don't know where you're going with your life. God says, I can give you direction. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God can be clear with you. 
God can show you your next step to victory. Let me repeat that one more time because I actually I messed up because I told you to repeat to your neighbor and then I talked after that. Anyways, <laughs> he said, God can show you your next step to victory. He can. He can give, he can give you that. He can give you the same instructions, the same type of instructions, practicality. I love practicality. I love when I read my Bible and I know my next step. I just know it. I love it. There's somewhere I can read my Bible and I'm like, oh, man, that's exactly what I need to do. But see, the problem is that many of us have been shown, but we don't obey. I wonder how many of us, if we're in David's position, if we're in David's position and God said, I don't want you to go this way, I want you to go that way, you would have said, nope, God, I want to go this way. I think, <laughs> I, I believe, this is what, I have 10 years of military experience, God. I defeated Goliath, and I think that we should go this way. You know, the problem is that when we stop obeying God, the revelation stops. You think that you can just disobey God and expect God to continue to speak these directions and speak these practicalities into your life. You won't obey. He's going to stop speaking. God has practical instructions for us. You know, one of the things that I constantly tell myself, or when I find myself going in circles in life, I've many times I say, God, where did I disobey you? Where was it that you said something and I didn't do? So I want to tell you, listen, you, you won't go any further. God isn't your math teacher that just lets you by. He's not just your, I don't know, think of somebody else. Fill in the blank. <laughs> He's not just this person that says, okay, fine, just go on. Gives you a shortcut. That's not who God is. God is a righteous and holy God. He judges sin righteously. And somewhere you have to understand that, you know what, God has practicality. He has all these different advices for me, for me. and I'm going to have to listen to this. If not, I'm not going to have a good time. Go around and behind. That's what God tells David, and David does it. And that's why the Philistines were given to David's hands. I want to tell you tonight, listen, all the success you see your pastors have, the leaders, Pastor Rosario, Pastor, Pastor Harvey, me, any success that you see in it is simply because of obedience. It's not because of our talents. Again, I told you, it's not because of our looks. I was called ugly in Honduras. Yes. Somebody said I had big ears. You guys don't say anything, all right? <laughs> I mean, think about this. It's, it's, it's not because of our talents or abilities. We're not trying to be the next Stephen Furtick here. That's not what we're trying to do. Somewhere, listen, it's simply because we obeyed. Success, prosperity, breakthrough comes through obedience. It was Samuel tries to deal with King Saul about. He says, I don't want your sacrifice because obedience is greater than what? Sacrifice. In other words, he says, listen, I don't want you to come over here and cry your you know, just pour out your tears and talk about how sorry you are. No, just do what I say. Just listen. Read your Bible. Talk to God. I was talking to a man today. Um, and he, was, he asked me a question. I didn't get back to him on time. And then eventually I got back to him and all I said was just pray. And then he texted me back and he said, isn't it amazing how you ask your pastor something and then you talk to God. And then God gives you an answer. And then your pastor calls you back just to tell you to talk to God. <laughs> and I text him back I said yeah I've been there God has all the answers I don't it's God 
God has them. God has the breakthrough. You know, one of the words that Evangelist Show gave me was that I can't counsel. I can't counsel everybody and think that I'm going to fix people's problems. I need to contend for the supernatural. And I truly believe that. That's somewhere there's certain things. Listen, there's certain demons I can't do anything about. You're going to come into the counseling office. You got some friends. You need some Jesus. You're going to need God to set you free. God will give us breakthrough. But it's going to come with conflict. This is true for strongholds. This is true for habits, addictions, all these different things. That if you want the true breakthrough, the true deliverance, you're going to have to fight for it. John chapter 5, verse 5 through 9 says, One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Check this out, verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time. Maybe you guys know we've been in issues for a long time. Addictions, strongholds, personalities, all kinds of things. We've been there for a long time. It says, do you want to be healed? That's a great question, right? I was talking to Gilbert the other day, and I was saying a lot of, a lot of times addictions, so I heard when I've read there was this guy that I read. His name is John Revere. I recommend watching his um, addiction to pornography video. Um, and he speaks about how, how um, he constantly wanted to get out, but he couldn't. He had all types of high-profile people pray for him, and nothing happened. He fasted for like a number of days. And I think it was the last day God spoke to him. He says, you're not free because you don't want to be free. He says, you like your sin. And somewhere he had to get a mindset to say, I hate my sin. I mean, think, so now in that perspective, Jesus asked that man, do you want to be healed? Verse 7, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Uh, steps down before me. Verse 8, Jesus said to him, get up. Practically, listen to this. Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. This man struggled for a long time, and God set him free. I want to tell you tonight, if you didn't listen to anything that I said tonight, listen to this. If God can do it for that man, he can do it for you. He inquired of God. God gave him practical steps. He obeyed, and he got breakthrough. It's not any different for any, any of us here. We need to inquire of God. He's going to tell us where to go. We have to obey, and that's how we find our breakthrough. Paul, many times, says we won't inquire or we won't obey when we inquire. God doesn't just want to solve your problem. God can solve problems, but that's not all he wants to do. He wants to give you dominion over your problem. This one will just want to save you from your conflict. He wants you to gain the right to rule over your enemy. This is the picture of David. He didn't just beat them. He didn't just defeat them. He didn't just win at mercy. That's not what he did. He had dominion over them. This is the whole picture. God says, I gave them over to your hand. This means that somewhere he had a rule over them. The Philistines came as Philistines. They left as Israelites pretty much. You're under my rule. One, one of the most beautiful things you see in people is when they're truly set free, they begin to use their testimony to set other people's free. That's dominion. That's the right to rule. You strategize against the enemy. The very thing that the enemy was trying to kill you with, now you're using it to save souls. There's purpose to conflict. There's, there's somewhere, listen, regardless if it's from hell, regardless, I said this a few weeks ago, I said everything you go through goes through the hands of God first. 
somewhere God allows things to happen. And I wonder today if you would trust God and say, God, I believe that you have a purpose for me through my season that I'm living right now. You know, I believe that some of you guys believed that at one point, but maybe you strayed away from it. At some point you said, you know what, yeah, I did believe, but it doesn't seem like it anymore. Well, I'm here to shake you up one more time and say, you know what, there is a purpose for you. I mean, think about Martha when he says, if you would have been here, Lazarus dead for four days. You think the first day, he's like, yeah, God's going to resurrect him. The second day, oh, man. The third day, come on. <laughs> Where are you? Then the fourth day, Jesus shows up, and he, you could tell her mindset, if you would have been here, I wouldn't have to go through this. But think about that. The fourth day, Jesus comes and still gives them breakthrough. There's purpose in our conflicts. There's a found purpose that God can create things, strategically turn things around for you. And today you might feel, you know what, it, I'm, 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 I don't have anything for my life. It's not going anywhere. I want to tell you, listen, God can make something happen. The beautiful thing is that you can give your life to God and say, God, you do what you will with it. You got to trust God that way. God, I believe that my next step is in your will. Tell me where to go and I'll go. Maybe you guys know it's not enough just to sing the songs. We, can't, we can sing to the ends of the earth and we turn blue. But you have to do it. You have to go the regions beyond. God, I will give the world. We'll give it. Give the world. Bow your knees and say, God, speak. God, tell me what to do. What's the saying? Tell me to jump, right? And I'll say, how high? Tell me. And I'm going to obey. I'm going to move forward. Obedience is what triggers the blessing and the will of God. It is obedience, nothing different. It is the trigger. Think of a gun. You want, you want something to come out of your life. It's going to be through obedience. You want to produce some type of fire, some type of explosion in your life. It's obedience, nothing different. I got this revelation, you know, probably a few weeks ago, just in my prayer, that somewhere, it's simple. People used to always say, I think, I don't know if I preached this before conference. I know it was. Um, and I spoke about how people used to tell me, if you want to be set free, just do what God says. And it's like, that's exactly what I have what I'm, I have an issue with, is doing what God says. But somewhere it is through obedience that you just obey the revealed will of God. I'm going to pray because I need to talk to my God. If not, I'm going to die. I need to read my Bible because I need to know my next step. Regardless of how nuts I am in my mind, I'm going to do this. And somewhere that obedience triggers something. It triggers some supernatural thing that we might not completely understand. David goes up to God. God, what do you want me to do? Will you give me the Philistines to my hand? Do I need to go up again? They want to kill me again. God, do I go up again? Do I chill here? Do I go around? What do you want me to do? And every time there was an answer from God. God doesn't just ignore you. There is an answer for you tonight. There is purpose in your conflict. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you come back for more.